0: It is now time to get to the word of God. And so shall we just take a minute to uh, prepare our hearts and minds for church. Please talk to God. Ask God to prepare your hearts. Prepare my hearts. That what he wants us to hear and understand we will be ready to hear it. Father God, we just come at this session into your hands, Lord Father. And even as the, your word is brought forth, Lord Father, I pray, Lord, that it shall truly touch every one of us, especially for though, those whom you have intended it, Lord. Father God, I pray, Lord, that your word will never return empty, Lord Father, or white, but shall accomplish that which it is meant to do, Lord Father. Father, be with every one of us. Give us an attentive ear, Lord Father, and a receptive heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Alright. Now, the first week of April. Ah, are you getting it? The first week of April. I gave you a homework. How many of you have done the homework? Great, great. We have a few people. The rest of you are just like my class. Okay, wonderful. Can I have my first slide, please? Can I have the next slide, please? Who's going to tell me the answer? The question is, A wise man fears and departs from evil, but a fool, dash, A, has no regard for the Lord, B, rages and is self-confident, C, is full of mischievous madness, D, frets against the Lord. A, A is the answer. Unfortunately, it isn't. The answer is B. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 16 says, A wise man fears and departs from evil, but a fool rages and is self-confident. Can I have the next question, please? Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be, A, health to your flesh and strength to your bones. B, strength as a rod and guidance as a staff unto thee. C. Wealth to thee as gold and silver. D. A lamp to thy feet and a light to thy path. A. Excellent. Okay, this is the answer. Okay, that's Proverbs 3, verses 7 and 8. Can I have the next slide, please? Question 3. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing. But a woman who fears the Lord, A. She is a joy and a crown to her family. B. She shall be praised. C, e, she does not follow after these things, and D, she departs evil and is blessed. Ooh, great, wonderful. Okay, so somebody has done the homework well. Okay, and my last question: The fear of the Lord leads to life, and he who has it will abide in satisfaction. The verse continues: A, he will not be visited with evil. B. He will have his needs met out of the abundance of the Lord. C. He will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. D. He will find it with much gain. Wow. Brother deserves a loud clap of applause. That is A. Proverbs chapter 19 verse 23. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, brother. So now let's move on with what we have for today. And so if you will turn your Bibles to 1 Kings, chapter 19, and let's read verses 1 to 4. 1 Kings, chapter 19, verses 1 to 4. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a broom tree, and he prayed that he might die, and said, It is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Let's also read 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 36 to 40. And it came to pass, at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that these people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, and the wood and the stones and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized them and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and executed them there. Two passages in contrast. In chapter 18, we find that Elijah is bold, courageous and victoriously facing all kinds of odds. Clearly experiencing God's supernatural strength to do the extraordinary. In chapter 19, just a few verses later, chapter 19, we find an Elijah who is fearful for his life, running scared, exhausted, depressed, even wanting to die. Why the sudden change in the character of Elijah? What happened? To make him change from a bold man of God to a fearful man wanting to die? The answer is very simple. And the answer is this. He lost his focus. Elijah lost his focus. In chapter 18, Elijah's focus was on God. He was surrounded by people against him, including the prophets and ba- of Baal. And King Ahab, who wanted him dead. But Elijah <coughs> did not let any of these threats affect him. His focus was simply on God. In, in chapter 19, the focus changed. Because now, Elijah's focus was on a person. A person who threatened him. He turned his focus from God to a man, or in this case, to a woman. And as soon as that happened, Elijah lost his peace, his boldness, his authority, his victory. Turn also with me to the book of Numbers, chapter 13. And again, we will read a series of verses. Numbers, chapter 13. Let's start by reading verses 1 and 2. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, every one a leader among them. And let's move on to verses 17 to 20. But before that, I just want you to note from verses 1 and 2 that it is God himself who instructs Moses to send people to spy out the land, to study the land, to evaluate the land, a land that God was giving to the people. God never said, Go and check out whether you will be able to defeat the people and live in that land. God said, I'm giving you that land. That was the instruction to Moses. He just said, send a leader from every tribe to check out the land, to spy out the land. It's a large area. You've got to take some decisions. You've got to move in millions of people. You've got to decide where are you going to keep them, where is the water, where is the feed for the, f- for the flock, which is the best place to settle down. So God said, send out people to spy the land. That was the only instruction God gave at that particular point of time. But then let's see what happens uh, in verse uh, 17 onwards, 17 to 20. Then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up this way into the south and go up to the mountains and see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are forests there or not. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was was the season of the first ripe grapes. And so the spies go out into the land that God has given them. And they do everything that Moses has asked them to do. Including cutting off a branch with one large cluster of grapes which they then had to carry on a pole, carried by two people. Now, I like reading investigative novels. I like reading spy novels. I liked reading the Cold War episodes between Russia and the United States. And in all my reading, my understanding of a spy is one who doesn't go and expose himself. Here you have spies who go, they cut the grapes, they put it between themselves and they carry it. They are not hiding. They are doing it openly. They were not attacked by the people of that land. They were not stopped because they brought the grapes back to Moses for him to taste it and see what it was like. Okay, but that's what the... uh, that's what the spice did at that point. And so they come back to report to Moses. And this is what happens when they start reporting. Let's go to verses 27 to 33. Then they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Enoch there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw giants, the descendants of Enoch came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. What did they report? These twelve people who went across, at least ten of them, they began by saying that the land was good. It was a land flowing with milk and honey. But then they started highlighting the negatives. They started focusing not on what God was giving them, but rather on the minor irritants in the land. They started now saying that the people were huge, everyone was a giant, and they are out there to devour us. They got, they, the same guys went in and they just came out. That doesn't sound like they were devoured to me. They went in, they walked around, they saw the place, they came out carrying grapes. And now they're reporting that those guys are ready to devour you. So we better not get into that place. Okay, so now they started focusing on the minors. Or in, the- in theology, this is called the majoring in the minors, Picking up the little things and making big things out of it. Just think, were in these, the same people, who just a few days back, had seen the Red Sea being split open for them to walk through. And then the mighty army of Egypt getting destroyed. Didn't they understand that they had been delivered from the mightiest army on the earth at that time? The army of gods, since pharaohs were often called gods. And the Egyptian army then was the mightiest one on earth. They got away from them. They didn't do anything. God brought them out. They know that. They did not raise a spear against the army of Egypt. And suddenly now, they have forgotten all of that. They see some groups of people who are big, and suddenly they decide, sorry, this is too much for us. Didn't they realize who did, who brought them out of Egypt? Wasn't it that same God who was now inviting them to occupy a land flowing with milk and honey? In their own words, they said that the land is good. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. And that same God who brought them out of Egypt, who destroyed the mightiest army, was now inviting them to live in a land flowing with milk and honey. And yet suddenly these people who had experienced the mighty hand of God were fearful Of little things. What happened? Why the sudden change? The answer once again is very simple. They lost their focus. They turned their thoughts from God to the circumstances around them. Elijah turned from God. He turned his thoughts from God to a person who was allegedly harassing him. The Israelites turned their focus from God to circumstances. So what's the lesson for us from these two passages? Do not allow anything or anybody To shift your focus. If you are a child of the one true living God, and you have experienced his hands of provision, providence, health, protection, security, all these years, focus on that God. Don't turn, don't allow anything or anybody to shift. Your focus. Focusing on God is, or should be, our way of life. Focusing on God has got to be a habit that we cultivate. Irrespective of the person around us, irrespective of situations around us, we have got to develop a habit of focusing on God all the time. Focusing on God is a choice you and I have to decide to make. It's not thrust upon us. It's a choice. You can make the choice that you want to focus on God. I can make the choice that I want to focus on God. Or we can turn around and say, no, the circumstances are bigger. People are bigger. The choice is ours. Focusing on fear is focusing away from God. Elijah became fearful when he started focusing on Jezebel and her threats. Now, if you read that passage in 1 Kings chapter 19 very carefully, you will understand that Jezebel actually had no intention of killing Elijah. Go and read the passage again. Her aim was to discredit him and his God. Why do I say this? Jezebel said that she would destroy Elijah the next day. Remember, in chapter 18, if you go to the beginning of chapter 18, you will find that King Ahab had been looking for Elijah and he couldn't find him. He wanted to kill him. And he couldn't find him. In chapter 19, Jezebel sends a messenger to Elijah. So she knew where he was. It's not that he was hiding. She knew where he was. She could have come and killed him. She didn't. She sent a messenger with a threat. Because her intention was not to kill him there. All she wanted to do was to make him fearful and to doubt his God. That way she could avenge the death of all the prophets of Baal. While discrediting the God who Elijah had called upon. Now the question to each one of us is simply this. Where do you and I stand today? Have we allowed Satan to plant fear in our lives? Have we allowed the devil to plant seeds of doubt in our hearts? And then we even question whether God actually exists or if he truly cares for us. At the first sign of calamity, at the first sign that the boat has started rocking, we start doubting God. You see, if Satan kills you, when you are still trusting God, all that's happened is, he has booted you into heaven. He's given you an early passage into heaven. But if he can get you to doubt God, first, and then you start making statements, I'm not too sure whether there is a God. I'm not too sure whether God cares for me. Satan is drawing you step by step to hell. Remember, that's Satan's intention. Satan has no intention of booting anybody into heaven. That's the last place he wants you and me to go to. So he is not going to do anything to us when you are at the height of your faith. He's got to bring you down. And that's what Jezebel tried there. She had to discredit Elijah. She put fear into him. He ran away. The guy who just, maybe a few hours earlier has called down fire from heaven. You see, that's, that's what happens when we start doubting God. So when our boat starts rocking, that is not the time to doubt God. If you have till then, when your boat was stable, if you have come here week, month after month... And stood and testified that God is good. God has done this for me, and God has done that for me. And then, when the boat starts rocking, you say, Where is God? Where does it actually place you? Are you really a child of God? When you came here to this land, let's just take a few questions. When you came here to this land, many years back, or maybe a few years back, did you plan on making this land your permanent home? I didn't. Have you become so comfortable here that any move seems disastrous? Have you considered a few people in the Bible? That's why it's useful to open the Bible and read it once in a while. People whose life stories have been written so that you and I can learn from them. Abraham was a rich man who moved when God asked him to move. He left the comfort of his home, traveled across harsh deserts lived in tents till he came to a land God gave him. Would the blessings that were poured out on him have come from God had he chosen to disobey God and remain in his father's land? Would he be called a friend of God if he had disobeyed? For him to be called the friend of God, For him to be the father of nations, the first step was he had to move. He had to leave the comfort of his home. And believe me, Abraham was richer than all of us put together. It was not that he was leaving a few pennies and going. In all our lives we may never be able to make as much as what Abraham had. But when God said, move, he said, fine, I'm moving. David was anointed king while he was a young man. Yet he had to wait many years before he actually became king. There were times when he had to run and hide. And even live in caves with crooks and criminals. Yet because he loved to obey God... He was called a man after God's own heart. Why did he get that title? Because he loved to obey God. Whatever God said, he would do it. He made mistakes. We all know that. And sometimes we over-focus on those mistakes. He made mistakes. But when God told you you made a mistake, he would say, yes, thank you Lord for showing it out to me. I'm sorry I did it. Tell me that I don't do it again. You see, he was that kind of a man. And he was a man who was after God's own heart. Moses had to leave the palace before he became the greatest leader of men. He had to run away like a fugitive before he came back to lead a million people. Joseph had to travel from a position of indulgence that he had in his home with his father He was the favorite son He had to leave that, go to a pit, from a pit to a prison before he could ascend to a throne So these are all different people who lived in different times Yet, there was one thing common to all of them. They chose to focus on God, to listen to Him and to obey Him. That's all, that's common. You and I are not living in the time of Abraham or Moses or David or any of those guys. But we could still have one thing in common with them. We could choose to listen to God. We could choose to focus on God. We could choose to obey God. Remember, God doesn't have to reveal all His plans to you right now. He may. It's up to Him. He may, but He doesn't have to. And let me tell you this. If it is God's will that you remain in this land... Because there is still kingdom work that needs to be accomplished through you. No one can send you out. But if it's God's plan to move you to greener pastures, don't stand as an obstacle to God's move. Be prepared. I don't know what plan God has for you. But there is one thing I know, and that is this. If you are truly a child of the one true living God, your tomorrows are better than your today's. Just focus on God. In Psalm 23 verse 4, the psalmist David writes these beautiful words. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil For you are with me Your rod and your staff, they comfort me Now from childhood Many of us are forced to memorize these words But do we really understand what they mean? David clearly understood that in tough times, he was only walking through the valley of the shadow of death. He was not walking through the valley of death. Shadows can do you no harm. Shadows can do you absolutely no harm. None whatsoever. All they can do is play tricks on your mind. So what was David's solution to this trickery? He acknowledged that the Lord was with him. And his focus was on the Lord, not on the shadow. And so he says, I may be walking through the valley of shadow of death. It doesn't matter, I don't see the shadow. Because I am focused on the Lord. And so step by step, I am moving to the Lord. And where he wants me to walk, that's where I'm going. Shadows, what shadows? Shadows are not for David. And so that's the lesson for you and me today. Let's focus on the Lord. And we will see no shadows. There are no shadows that are going to be troubling us. Now fear, I've I've spent this time on fear. Okay, because fear is not the only way. Satan tries to turn our focus from the Lord. He uses many other methods as well. And let's just look at a few more of these tricks that Satan tries to practice. Turn with me to the book of Matthew, to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4. And I'll read verses 1 to 11. It's a very well-known passage, so I'll just go through it quickly. Matthew 4, 1 to 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, afterward he was hungry. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, Set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, It is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you, if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. This is a very well-known passage, often referred to as the temptation of Jesus. Now in verse 2, or from verse 2, We see that Jesus had just completed a 40 day, 40 nights fast and he was hungry. That's when the devil came to tempt him. Satan uses the same modus operandi today. He tempts us when we are hungry or tired or weak or depressed. Physically or spiritually. That's the time when our guards are down. When you are weak. When you are depressed. When you are tired. That's when your guards are down. That's when our defenses are weak. That's when our thinking is cloudy. And that's when we are ready to grasp anything we think can strengthen us. Jesus used an entirely different strategy to counter the wily ways of the devil. He didn't give in to the devil. He didn't lose focus on God the Father. He didn't lose focus on the words of God, because every statement he made to the devil were Scripture, were words from the scriptures. He didn't get into a discourse or a discussion or even consider what the devil was offering. And that's the strategy you and I need to learn to follow. If we are to resist the devil, keep focusing on God and not on what the devil shows us. You see, the first diversion the devil used when he tried to tempt Jesus, was in the area of personal need. Jesus was hungry. That's what verse 2 tells us. It's not my story, it's verse 2. Jesus was hungry. So the devil suggested that he turn stones to bread in order to satisfy his hunger. Jesus turned the focus back to God and his word. And that's what the devil does to us today. That's what he keeps dangling in front of our eyes all the time. A chance to increase our wealth. An opportunity to build a bigger house. Or own the biggest TV. Or the latest smartwatch. Smartphones are out now. It's smart smartwatch. Okay. Or some such thing. How does the devil do this? He makes us focus on things we don't have. Jesus was hungry; he didn't have bread, so he said, "There's the stones, make them bread." You and me will say, "Right, let's do it." Boom! Stones become bread. Why we're well, hungry? But what's happened at that point? You're fallen for the devil. Jesus didn't the devil tries to give us something that we don't have he offers he dangles that in front of us and so he gives us a principle which is work hard work harder work extra time keep working Make the money and buy that. Now you don't need the devil to tell you that, do you? But that's what he does. So he takes time, he takes away your time. Time that you would need to spend with God. You don't have time for God now because you are busy chasing that bigger car, that bigger television, that bigger house. Just answer me this question. Who is the biggest giver? Is it God or the devil? And what has God said? God has simply said, ask. God never said, actually it doesn't say anywhere in the Bible, go work harder and harder and harder, forget about me for the moment. Get that TV first. Get that smart watch first. Work harder for that. Okay, and after you get that, then we'll start having a conversation. God never said that anywhere. From the beginning of time, God has been interested in having a conversation with you and with me. God's got the time for 7 billion people in the world. You and I don't have the time to talk to one person. I saw a nice uh, cartoon uh, on WhatsApp the other day, yesterday, which my daughter had sent across. Uh, and the cartoon simply stated, the Wi-Fi went off. So we spent time talking. That's reality today. During my time it was hi-fi, now it's wi-fi. Okay. The end result is, we stop talking. Your son is in the next room, you wanted to come for lunch, you send him a message. Lunch ready. During my time it was not like that. My grandma would just shout it out. Lunch is on the table. Lunch time. And you're not there, the belt will come out next. Now we send virtual belts by WhatsApp. I don't know who we are fooling. Okay, But that's the simple answer. God said, ask. And he shall provide. All we need to do is ask him. Not turn to the devil and say, how do I get this? The devil has got a strategy, agreed. But that strategy is going to get you away from God. Your focus is changing. Okay? You see, Many of us, unfortunately, believe the lies of the devil rather than the truth that the Lord has laid out before us. The second diversion the devil uses is in the area of power, verses 5 and 7. The devil was enticing Jesus to use his power and authority. The devil knew that the angels would instantly obey every command that Jesus would make. And he suggested that Jesus enforce and show that power and authority. Jesus dashed the hopes of Satan by again turning to the word of God and defeating the plan of the devil. What about you and me? How do we use the power and authority bestowed on us? Do we throw our weight around and show everyone who is the boss? In reality, our power and authority is not in our offices or workplaces. The greatest power we have is in the area of prayer. God changes circumstances in response to your faith and prayers. God moves mountains in response to your faith and prayers. Do you have people in your office who are working against you? Pray for them. you know what God will do? God will promote them. You don't like that, do you? Believe me, he'll promote them. But in that promotion, he will send one person to Salalah. one person to promote it to Musandam, one person promoted to, promote to Al office, one person promoted to, promote to dukkham. You are there free. Pray that God will promote your those people harassing you in the office. God has unique ways of doing things. Remember, that person also is a child of God. You may want him to die. God doesn't want him to die. Just as much as God wants to bless you and me, God wants to bless them also. They are his children. You may not like it. But that's the fact. So, Pray that they are promoted. Let the guy get 20 real extra. it doesn't matter. But he's in Sanala, thousand kilometers away. No trouble for you. You see, focus on God and He will make you an unshakable power. The third diversion, and we'll be ending soon, is the third area of diversion that the devil uses is in the area of position. Verses 8 to 10. The devil was become desperate with Jesus. He failed twice. He gave two options to Jesus, didn't work. He failed, And so for the last time, the devil went straight to the point. What was the point? He said, worship me. Till then he was beating around the bush. Third point, he said, I will give you all these things if you do just one thing, worship me. That's what the devil has been craving from the time he was created. Worship me, worship me, worship me. He's not even interested in you following him. He's interested in you worshipping him. That's all that he wants. Can you imagine the whimpering state of the devil that he had reached at that point while talking to Jesus, King of Kings and Lord of Lords? And that is the same thing the devil wants from you. He craves it from you. Worship. The devil is is prepared to offer you any promotion if you will only worship him. Remember this. If you accept an offer from the devil, you will get your promotion into hell. Not in your office. Deuteronomy 28 verse 13 clearly states, It is the Lord who will make you the head and not the tail. It is the Lord who will seat you above and not be placed beneath. The devil is always ready with his offered letter. But be warned, for a fleeting moment of satisfaction, you will reap an everlasting life of sorrow. Just focus on God. The last thing Jesus told Satan was this, and this applies to you and me as well. You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only you shall serve. And that's got to be our watchword. It's only about the Lord. Our focus is not on people, our focus is not on things. Our focus is just on God. Let me end by just summarizing what I've said. The message is simple focus on God. Do not let fear change your focus. Do not chase after personal needs, power, or position. Just focus on God. The choice is yours and mine. God bless you. Let's be on our feet as we sing this song. You have heard the word of God. The choice is yours My watching is very clear When you trust In the Lord You will never miss it in life This storm may be raging around you But if your gaze Is focused on Jesus You will hang victoriously In the name of Jesus When we trust when we walk with the Lord in the light of His word, let's sing that song. Can we have on this thing? Okay. When
1: we walk with the Lord in the light of His word, was the glory He shares on I we do it to win? He are fighting for I wish all will draw find hope. Draw hope in for the door I will to be happy in Jesus. to trust I know trust I know Lord there's no other way to be happy Jesus
0: Lord to trust I know I want to turn that to a prayer point for yourself Lord I put my trust in you My focus is on you. Guide my path. Say, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will direct your path. Say, Lord, as I focus on you, direct my path. Let me not take the vision that will crush my destiny. Help me to follow the path of life. Say, choose you this this day. Whom you will serve Will you
2: serve God Even in the midst of the challenges Or you will turn
0: your back on him Lord no, thank you In Jesus Mighty name we have prayed Father thank you for your word We receive grace to focus on you No matter the challenge we have to go through For you are promising your word uh, when you go through the fire, we shall not be burned. So, when we are in the form of life, in form of rivers, that we will not be drowned. This is our confidence in you. For we know you have all things planned for us. But you will say your thoughts towards us are thoughts of good only, not of evil. To give us the expected hand. We submit to your will in the name of Jesus. And for to focus on you only in the name of Jesus. So as long as the gaze of Peter was on Jesus, he was doing the extraordinary. Peter was walking on water. But the moment the gazed look at the physical, he, he began to sing. I pray we will not speak in the name of Jesus. We shall not speak in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Jesus mighty name we have prayed. Let's have a seat. It's time to go to die with the Lord. The temple is set. The question is, are you set? Are you ready to receive the wine that represents the blood of Jesus and the bread that represents the body of Jesus. Are you ready for it? What does it mean to take this? This table. What happens when you partake of the body and the blood? of Christ. Now, to individual, it's actually different. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Each time you do it, you remember my death, you remember my sacrifice for you, and you keep yourself holy. Well, it does not end there. Can you imagine, you take a shot of the blood of Jesus. Which this one represents. And the body of Christ. And you see our sickness? When you take this short, it means anything not permitted in Jesus is forbidden in your life.
2: It's forbidden in your life.
0: But you need to have the right understanding. It means whatever Jesus represents... ...must be evident in your life. But I can tell you... ...if you approach this table... ...anyhow... ...you go back anyhow. But this money I want to please plead with you. Come with expectation... ...that Lord this is a table of solution for me. Everything not permitted in Christ... Shame is not permitted in Christ. Sorrow is not permitted in Christ. Sickness is except by his strength. You are healed. So I want you to claim that which you want from Christ today. As you approach the table, come with this expectation in your heart. That God, I know with you, nothing shall be impossible. Whatever it is you are trusting God for this morning. I want you to call this table... That name, the Lord, as I take your blood and your flesh, which this bread and this wine represent, this is the change I need in my life. So please come with expectation in your heart this morning and take the meal with faith. Jesus said, according to your faith, so be it unto you. You believe it, you receive it. The ushers will be waiting on us. I want everyone else to come, but before we do that, let me discuss Corinthians 11:23 to 32. Say, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take it. This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, when he had stopped, saying, This cup is the new testament in my blood, this do ye as oft as ye drink it, in remembrance of me. For as oft as ye eat this bread, and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord there, till he comes. Verse 27, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread, and drink this cup of the Lord, unworthily, shall be guilty, of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. That's why I said, are you ready? Examine yourself. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly Among you and many sleep. So you take it You have some help You take it rightly In holiness In purity Judas Iscariot took the shot And he received a negative grade To destruction So this morning I want to examine yourself Is your way right with God? Are you born again? That's the first step. Are you living a holy life? Have you obeyed the Lord in the waters of baptism by immersion? If this is not part of what you have ticked, then you are not qualified for the table. As many that yes, you know you are born again, you have been baptized by immersion, and you are living a holy life. Please approach the table to this afternoon with expectation in your heart, and the ushers will guide us to come to the table. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We give you all glory. This is your blood and your bread. We sanctified. And we pray that, Lord, we call this table the table of solution. And whatever it is your children trust you for today, let testimony follow. In the name of Jesus. Jesus mighty name we have prayed. Please let's call at the OSHA who direct us.
1: I ah, am yeah. i uh-huh. you I'm not going do i not
2: Before we could close,
3: I need to apologize. While we were worshipping this morning, the Lord gave me a word, but for some reason, I kept myself back from giving that word to you. But see, God, in His infinite mercy, has got that word for you, and that's the reason He brought me back here. It is not I who chose it. Let us quickly turn to 2 Chronicles And we go to see how God confirms His word That which was spoken this afternoon To show you That it is His word And it was not our pastor's word But it was God's word that came to you This afternoon 2 Chronicles chapter 20 we we'll quickly look at what God has to confirm to you today 2 Chronicles 20 verse 12 Are you there? 2 Chronicles, chapter 20, verse 12 Will thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. Amen? I do not know what army has come against you. Because there is wickedness May be come against you In various forms I do not know But the Lord asked me to minister to you And to say The only way you want that harmony Of whatever form that has come to you is Go to the Lord in meekness And if you see the message that came across today Go to him in meekness And learn to worship him And that was the word continuously that came from our pastor Learn to worship God In no matter what situation that has come against you Maybe the enemy has come in wickedness to destroy your family He's come to destroy your job He's come to destroy your peace He's come to destroy your children No matter what Today we're going to say God, I will come to you in meekness Not in pride Because pastor was talking about that I am not going to come in pride and to think in my strength But I will come and humble myself before you And give you glory Amen I want you to pray for the person Just
2: hold the person's hand next to you and say God, I come to you for this person In meekness Lord God And I come to worship you That this person, no matter whatever situation They are going through right now Wherever the enemy is standing there Father, I stand in the gap for this person That when the enemy comes He will run to you When the enemy comes He will be in meekness before you When the enemy comes He will bow down before you Father, I pray in the name of Jesus In the name of Jesus That when the enemy comes In wickedness, Lord God We pray in the name of Jesus That we will run to you In meekness, Lord God we will run to you in weakness also, Lord God. And we will worship you. We will worship you because you are the living God. We will worship you because you are the true God. We will worship you because you are the holy God. We will worship you because you are the prayer-answering God. We will worship you, Lord God, because you are our strength. You are our fortress, Lord God. We will worship you. Father, everyone who is holding a next persons hand, I pray in the name of Jesus. That when the enemy comes, Lord God, you will raise the standards, Lord God. You will raise a wall between them and the enemy, Lord God. And Father, you will lead them in quiet paths, Lord God. You will lead them to green pastures, Lord God. You will lead them to still, still waters, Master. All for the glory of your name. All for the glory of your name. We give you glory, Father, in your house. In Jesus' name we are praying. Amen. Let us give God the glory. Let us give Him praise in the house, because He deserves the praise. This was not our pastor's word; this was God's word to His servant. Let us share the grace together. May the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ,
1: the love
3: of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and
2: forevermore. Amen. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life. And we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. And we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. One more time. And we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Be blessed, my brothers
1: and sisters.